Hi, this is Elliot Fishman. Welcome back to part two on our evaluation of GI bleeding of the small bowel and colon, or as is known as lower GI bleeding, LGIB. It sounds like some phrase, some protest group or something. Um, it's interesting how quickly things have changed. When you look at the whole idea about evaluating GI bleeding with CT, this article from 2009 we wrote, uh, Dr. Horton, uh, this is a relatively new application for CT. Now it's a relatively classic, critical application for CT. There's been articles like this from Steiner that made the point that he's an angiographer. The importance of this in terms of managing GI bleeding as a non-invasive tool for the angiographer. Speaks about multiplanar with MIP imaging. Talks about the ability to pick up small bleeds. Uh, and again, how it's so useful for planning endovascular treatment options. This also shows, when you're thinking about it, whether you're the colonoscopist, timing colonoscopy to GI bleeding, and when you do colonoscopy, or you're the angiographer, whether you should do angiography or not, and what to expect, CT angiography plays tremendous importance. Steiner also makes the point that the bleeding you can detect is 0.3 ml with DSA 0.5 ml per minute. So CTA is more sensitive. This article I mentioned before about uh, the Nakayachu said, talking about how for colonoscopy planning, it's ideal. And again, the fact that it increased the accuracy rate from 20% to 68% when the CT was indeed positive. Now, some more information on lower GI bleeding. It accounts for about a quarter of cases of GI hemorrhage. The disease, disease spectrum varies from chronic and intermittent blood loss to severe acute hemorrhage. Mortality rates from 5%, typically around there or less, but can be as high as 23%, depending on patient's age, comorbidities, and the severity of the hemorrhage. Now, when you look at some of the causes, and what I'm going to do in the rest of the talk, or most of the rest of the talk, is look at specific causes, look at their CTA appearance, and look at how well we do. Angiodysplasia accounts for about 6% of cases of lower GI bleeding. It's an abnormal proliferation of venules and capillaries within the submucosal layer of bowel. Uh, it's seen in older patients, often related to the degeneration of blood vessels. Three quarters of the lesions are in the right colon. Colonoscopy is not sensitive for this diagnosis, only in about 68% of cases can it make the diagnosis. What you're looking for are densely opacified and dilated draining veins, early filling of veins, dilated feeding artery, and vascular submucosal tufts in the wall of the colon. Arterial images are key, with venous phase imaging a bit less important. Now, it's the most common cause of small bowel bleeding. It has an increased association with end-stage renal disease and aortic stenosis. As noted, it's more common in the right colon, but it can occur anywhere. Uh, Tough-like hypervascular enhancing focus, less than five millimeters, which fades away, is very common. It can be multifocal in up to three quarters of cases, and it's composed of abnormally dilated thin vessels with a high propensity for bleeding. Now, here's a nice example, but it also is a nice example showing you how subtle it could be. You look at the patient's uh, bowel, and you see there's some high-density material present. Maybe it's just some foreign matter, but you look at it again, and there are multiple other round, high-density structures present, which you can see, again, as you look at the images. 
And then when you flip it to MIP, look at all of those bright dots you see. That's an angiodysplasia involving the small bowel. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful example because you can see how easy it would be to overlook it on the axials. But with the MIP, it becomes very obvious. These vascular tufts become easy to visualize. Just a wonderful example. This case also shows you, we compare the, the coronals and the coronal MIPS. The coronal MIPS are much better at showing you the sites of the angiodysplasia. Now we look at active small bowel bleeds. Sometimes things are very subtle. Patient with lots of ascites, bowel. You can see this very bright dot in the middle of the bowel. That was an angiodysplasia of the small bowel. Again, subtle but obviously there. Or in this case, where you see a bleed in the right lower quadrant within bowel, at first guess you can say, how do I know it's not contrast in small bowel? That being positive contrast, well, when you look at the different images, you can see the change over a few seconds. So that it's high density, uh, it's active bleeding. It does make a good point that it's very easy to make a mistake if the patient had positive contrast before. You don't want to do that. And that goes back to the reason why some people have recommended non-contrast scans. Perhaps if you knew the patient had a prior recent positive contrast study, whether it was an upper GI, a swallow, or even a CT, perhaps in those cases a non-contrast scan would be helpful. But routinely we don't recommend non-contrast scans. Now, as you look at the small bowel, we've talked about angiodysplasia, but there are other causes. Small bowel cancer is one of them. Small bowel cancers are uncommon, but it's becoming of increased prevalence lately. Uh, more common in patients aged 55 to 64. Average diagnostic age is 40. Five-year survival is 65%. With your survival, no surprise, depending on the extent of disease at presentation. Now, when you look at some of the numbers, small bowel cancer is relatively small. That's not meant to be a pun. Number 23 in the cancer list, 10,000 plus cases a year. About 13% will die during the year. It represents 0.6% of all new cancers. When you look at the age group, again, it's an older age, 55 to 75, and that number stays high into the 80s. It's most frequently diagnosed, if you pick one year, is 65 to 74, with a median age of 65. Now, when you read articles, and we've presented about this, the reality is that carcinoma of the small bowel is uncommon. Four main types, adenocarcinoma, carcinoid lymphoma, and sarcomas, but they're increasing in terms of numbers. Partly, it's patients are living longer, Patients are surviving other cancers, and our imaging techniques have gotten better. Uh, when you look at some of the numbers, carcinoid tumors have increased by a factor of four, and you have to somehow think that's related to the fact we scan quickly, and many lesions become isodense quickly, and we would not have seen them before. You can argue what the most common small bowel tumor is. Carcinoid tumors are edging ahead, depending on who you listen to. Clinical presentation is not specific typically for any one tumor. Pain, nausea and vomiting, weight loss, obstruction, GI bleeding, which is why I bring it up in this talk. And often with small bowel tumors, there's a lack of very specific findings. Remember, the average patient presents six to 18 months before their diagnosis of small bowel tumor is made. So it's often not something spoken about. 
Now, one of the tumors that we are seeing more frequently, and we are seeing more frequently with bleeding, are GIST tumors. GIST tumors occur in stomach, they occur in small bowel, particularly jejunum and ileum, but also in the duodenum. The thing about GIST tumors is kind of interesting, and this was a recent article, the fact they can present many ways. Most patients are asymptomatic, but we are seeing a number of patients now who present with GI bleeding. And the bleeding can take the form of a slow intraluminal GI bleed or massive intraperitoneal bleeding due to lesion rupture. Usually the, the uh, former is going to be the case. It's interesting, in the cases where we've picked up GI bleed from small bowel tumors, they've been small, two centimeter range, and vascular. Nice example of a volume rendering and a coronal showing a two centimeter tumor in the jejunum. You can see it's lobulated and exophytic. Typically, GIST, whether they're in stomach or small bowel, are typically exophytic. It's also enhancing slightly. Another example, very close to the same as the other case, GI bleed. Here's a very bright blush in the small bowel. Carcinoid, everyone says carcinoid first because when you hear GI bleeding, you think about carcinoid. Carcinoid also has desmoplastic reaction. With GIST tumor, it's typically this mass, a couple centimeters in size, enhancing in the small bowel. Very easy, very nice to see with MIP imaging. You can see a very good example here where you can see the images on the MIP imaging. And we can circle that. Very nice example of showing that. Or in this case where typically we had mentioned before that GIST tumors can be exophytic, here the lesion almost looks like it's extra luminal, but it's exophytic on the axial imaging, a little bit better defined on the uh, coronal imaging, and there it is on the MIP imaging. So the MIP imaging really shows you the lesion. It shows you the feeding vessels and everything else. It's important to recognize that unless you do MIP imaging, you will probably miss some of these lesions. Also, it makes the point that if you had positive contrast, be very easy to miss these lesions. Now some facts about just tumors of the small bowel. Most common mesenchymal tumor, increased incidence in neurofibromatosis 1. Uh, small bowel is second in frequency after stomach. And it may present if a GI bleed when the lesions are smaller and the tumor very vascular. Larger tumors are usually higher grade than smaller tumors and typically don't bleed. Presentation with GIST, bowel obstruction, intermittent intraluminal GI bleeding, intraperitoneal seeding are all things we think about. All just, although all GIST tumors express KIT receptor tyrosine kinase, CD117 mutants, which are crucial for its diagnosis, uh, that's not always going to be the case. The expression of CD117 in GIST also distinguishes them from other lesions from mesenchymomas, thalamiomas, and schwannomas, for example. Again, it's the spectrum of disease and the spectrum of imaging appearances. Article by Scola made the point the size of tumors is variable, ranging from several millimeters to 30 centimeters. Median tumor size for those considered high risk is reported at 8.9%. So these tumors also relate, there's been lots of articles being written, is size critical in determining the aggressiveness? What about enhancement? Here it is, up to 30% of GISTs have a poor prognostic factor, including size over 5 cm, lobulated contour, heterogeneous enhancement, presence of mesenteric fat infiltration, ulceration, and regional lymphadenopathy. And that's very, very important to recognize those findings. 
again, the thing that looks very much like a um, like a gist tumor at times can be a carcinoid tumor. But there really that very brisk uh, changes occur with carcinoid, the so-called desmoplastic reaction. Now also common with gist, and I won't waste too much time, that although small bowel is what we th we're talking about, the majority do arise in the stomach but can arise almost anywhere in the GI tract, so that's not going to be uncommon. And just occurring the duodenum and small bowel can demonstrate any growth pattern but typically are exophytic. So you want to be careful when you're uh, evaluating a patient uh, to know how these tumors actually look. Calcifications are uncommon but can be seen occasionally, but they're pretty uncommon. And again, the lesion itself can be enhancing, but often is not. If the lesion's over 5 cm and you're thinking about removing it, um, there is a question whether you should remove anything above 5 cm. Treatment with targeted therapy is performed typically, and when lesions are smaller, that's when resection will occur. And again, just tumors, tyrosine kinase inhibitors, lots of interest in creating uh, lots of different drugs and lots of different cures. Article by Scola, again on just tumors. Clinical presentations are variable, and again, I show this to focus on the bleeding, that bleeding can be very important, but bleeding can be slow, and so it becomes difficult to diagnose. Um, again, the appearance of GIST is very variable. Most common symptoms, nonspecific, abdominal pain, nausea, weight loss, and obstruction. So something to indeed keep in mind. Now, when we move from small bowel to the colon specifically, we talk about causes in the colon. Inflammatory disease, ischemic colitis, colon cancer, radiation or therapy-induced complications, and trauma. Angiodysplasia accounts for about 6% of lower GI bleeds. Uh, and we spoke about this before, but it can be both in the small bowel or in the large bowel, perhaps. You can see in this case, often the diagnosis can be obscured. Here's a good example of a patient with GI bleeding looking for a source, and someone suggested that the uh, cecum looked funny, the vessels looked kind of prominent right there. Well, sure enough, when you look at the MIP imaging and volume rendering, look how prominent the vessels are in their right lower quadrant in the patient's cecum. And again, this is classic for angiodysplasia. It looked benign, but it, it's, it's an aggressive type process in terms of causing GI bleeding. And again, here's another example of that. Angiodysplasia, again, this prominent vessels from the hepatic artery going into the liver, kind of involving it. So again, it's something that is definitely worthwhile looking at very carefully. Now, when we start talking about other processes and when we start talking about diseases of the large bowel, really diverticular disease is the winner because we see so many cases of diverticular disease, a smaller number of diverticulitis or things like that. But uh, it becomes very, very important to really understand how important the evaluation of the colon is, and particularly diverticular disease, for the detection of sources of GI bleeding. Often things become very subtle because of a diverticular disease or diverticulitis, and your mind is paying so much attention to the ticks, you don't necessarily notice the patient has a bleed present. So let's talk about diverticular disease, but let's first take a coffee break and come right back and do it.